just like that, they buy it. They eat it up. You pander to them, you thank them. I mean, really, people, I thought you were a little bit smarter than that. I mean, it's just so easy wow. to say the name of the city. You cheer. Hey, oh, Stephanie, you. Stephanie, you just cheer. I just, mean, just come on. Welcome to the A Show. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the A Show with the Kings of Pro Wrestling Podcasts. It's episode 122. I am Justin here with Meals. Meals, we have a special guest on the show today. Oh, I, I just we don't, sure do. I, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. You know, even waste time with banter. This is a huge guest. Uh, a, a, a good pal of mine. Happy birthday to me! Damn. All right. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll get to your birthday later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a good a good pal of mine, uh, one of the most you know respected wrestling journalists out there, and there are not many. Trust me, our pal from Fightful, Mr. Sean Ross Sapp, is in the building. What's up, Sean? It's not my birthday, but I'm going to take the birthday. I'm, I'm going to pretend it's my birthday <laughs> just to steal some more of Meals of Shine. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I came here to do. I said I'm only going to do this if I can do this during his birthday week. So here we are. <laughs> Oh, and, and, that's, and Mills took the, he turned the big three L. So this is yeah, uh, a milestone right. birthday. <laughs> well, listen, I'm finally here. Uh, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> Everyone's been telling me that just like yo, even V before you know before we turn on the thing is like yo, take your fish oil, your joints, and I'm like yo, why is everyone telling me that my knees and joints are doomed? Because that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, I guess Glucosamine, so. chondroitin. I know all the supplements, man. I'm 34. Yeah. I know all the supplements. <laughs> bro, get your and, and I, I know we're burying the lead once again, but get that prostate check, brother. All right. <laughs> okay, turn up. All right. But, uh, but, but Sean, Sean, this has been something that's been a long time coming. You and I have had a strangely intertwined checkered past <laughs> in the past year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about this. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm shifting so, in my seat. Let's hear about it. And I don't think anyone's ever – I don't think we've ever even spoke about this, ever said anything, but I wanted to wait till you got here to even say the story. So uh, about a year ago – I think it was this time a year ago, Sean. Actually, Roughly. Roughly, yeah. yeah. So this time around a year ago, I was working at a uh, pretty reputable record company uh, in in one of their urban divisions, and I just so happened to be chilling one day, uh, and one of my coworkers came through and said, hey, we, we're going to do something really cool really soon. And I said, okay, cool. Next thing I know, <laughs> I go on Twitter, and... Oh wow! Eminem is going to be on 2K. What? <laughs> He's going to be on SmackDown. I immediately rush to the DMs to ask my buddy because I saw it on Fightful first. Because of course I'm following, you know, Fightful as you should be as well. Uh, and I say, "Yo, Sean, what's going on? What, what did you? What did you? What is this? What is this? You got to stop this." And he's like, "He's like, I don't reveal my sources, but huh, huh, it's happening." So. Uh, a little down the line, and, and and again, you know, full disclosure, 
I was in my journalist mode as well. And I was like, I want to plug the leak, you know, before it even happens. And, you know, I had literally just heard about it 10 minutes before I was even seen and reported. That's how I know this man is the truth. But, oh, yeah, you know, it truth. had gotten me, <laughs> it got me into a lot of trouble because it, it just so happens, Meals. I was the only person in the building that was a wrestling fan. <laughs> and I didn't wow. know, I didn't know what your job was until that day. Yeah. Until, yeah. and, until right. you were like, what's going on here? And I'm like, why do you care? <laughs> that's, that's why I asked. I'm like, what do you care? What happened here? So I, I, I basically went to my boss. I'm like, listen, you know, I, I know how, you know, so-called wrestling journalism works. And I, I, I know that, you know, it's, it's about getting these things first and it's about being on top of things first. And I know this guy's the truth because he's the type, you know, he, I follow him, you know, and he's, <laughs> he's our person that, that kind of reports things the way that they happen. And it was like, well, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, in hindsight, I shouldn't have because it put me in the crosshairs even more so. Yeah. But I I knew that at that point I was trying to protect a cool project that I was going to be working on. And, you know, it got me into like an internal investigation. In well, well, let's be honest. Did. It's 2K20, so it wouldn't have been cool for that long. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't I even said, know. Like I, I saved your reputation. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you like, actually like, did. <laughs> If anything, the Eminem thing would have been the coolest thing about the game at that point, you know, looking yeah. back on it. But, uh, you know, I, you know, they were like, you know, how do you know Sean? And I was like, hey, what, we follow each other. They pulled up tweets. I don't think I've told you this. They pulled up tweets of me oh. and you interacting. And it was like, you know, why would you, why would you say, because I said, I said, uh, this is around the Roman uh, cancer thing. I said, you know, the only people that I really respect in this is, is Sean. Uh, and, and really, that's about it. And they were like, well, why do you respect them so much? You know, what, what, what is this? What are you guys cool? And I was like, yo, like I showed them our, all of our DMs, which aren't mm-hmm. many, by the way. Yeah. And, you know, they basically found nothing. And then I think one day I, was, I went back home to Virginia and they said, hey, we, we want to call you back and talk to you. And I was like, OK. Um, and then I had gotten a new job, my current job here where I'm at now. And they were like, you know, we're, we're just going to we're just going to let you go. We, we've determined that you had something to do with it. Now, like, but there was no proof, you know, like. Yeah, it, it was the craziest thing ever. But, you know, just I, I have to, you know, once again, say thanks for kind of, you know, not <laughs> I mean, you didn't really do anything. But, but thanks for like keeping it real like the whole time, you know, like the, that I that I had nothing to do with it. You know, yeah, that was the thing, because I had no idea that's what you did for a living, because yeah. quite frankly, you don't put it out there a lot. It's you were pretty all. private about that. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to say pretty private because I mean, I don't go through all every single tweet you put out, obviously, but yeah. I had never heard. And I was like, I legit was like, well, why do you care so much? <laughs> and then when you told me, I was like, Oh man. And then of course, Ryan Satin had the connection to Eminem's camp and they were like, no, absolutely not. And they were a uh, mad, uh, yeah, mad yeah. Uh, about Super it. Mad. It and was it was DefCon Five in that building. Yeah, it was almost like a funeral in there that day. And it was funny because I had all these people for weeks that were like, "Oh, fake news," and I'm like, "Bro, Dennis Dennehy said, yeah, we had a meeting." And I'm thinking, okay, Eminem's been famous for 20 years, and yeah. WWE has brought in every celebrity that has ever existed. The Kardashians have worked with WWE, and him admitting there was a meeting. After 20 years and previous false rumors about them working together, like mm-hmm. that, that's not a coincidence. But ultimately, uh, Eminem's team ended up being in 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 a good spot there because that game was ass. It was yeah, it is so ass. bad. 
And I, you know, I, I had people that I was supposed to have a call with Dennis Dennehy. Actually, he hit me up Mm -hmm. and he's like, let's have a call and let's talk about this. And then he ghosted me. And then within a few weeks, he was gone. He left. He left. Yeah, he left. Because I, and the only reason I found that out is because I tried to hit his email back and it got a bounce back because the email didn't exist anymore. And then mm-hmm. I look in the news, and I'm I'm not going to pretend I'm a big Eminem news follower or anything like that. But uh, when I want to go to my flibbity hibbity hip hop uh, news sources, <laughs> I, I I go and I look, and Dennis Dennehy's left the company, and I was like, okay, well I know it's unrelated, but still, that's why I got the bounce back, and it it sent me down a, another like rabbit hole of why this didn't happen, and the the. Biggest thing that I heard from people that were close to that was that they didn't quite understand that if they just shut up about it, it wouldn't have been nobody would have even been talking about it in a day or two. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the, the the phrase that was given to me was today it's in the news, tomorrow they're wrapping dead fish with it. And I was like, yep. man, that's that's advice so many people could take when they they give too much attention to a certain thing. But yeah, that was that was wild, man. Yeah. I mean, on the other side of it, it was the first time I had ever been involved in something like that. So, yeah. I, of course, you know, and, and my bosses have my back at that, at that point, too. They were like, you know, he's a you know, he's a good guy. He would never I don't leak anything. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I, don't say, I don't say anything about anything. I don't even talk about my, you know, it was one of the biggest things that, it, that was happening at that time where I was like, listen, guys, like this is the first time that my work life and like my hobby and, and something that I do outside <laughs> of here has ever intertwined. So imagine how I feel right now having to be in this room telling you guys you know why roman reigns cancer thing is something that we're talking about i was literally talking about roman reigns cancer that's wild that's so wild and you know and and it it became you know like you know sean's really cocky about it and blah blah blah. i was like listen i'm not gonna speak for him like that doesn't mean that i don't respect the guy like he he got one up on us like that's that's just what it was you know like he he, there's, there's nothing you can do about it and but here's the thing like i had nothing to do about it so but once again you in a way got me out of that situation because at the time I was kind of like between whether I wanted to stay there at all anyway. And, you know, it was, it was good for a while it lasted and, you know, I'm just glad that it's over now. So well, yeah, just that's, make that's sure, the, make sure anytime you, you're, you're not thrilled with your job, you let me know and I'll try to dig up some wrestling dirt on that company. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, on the other let's get, side, at least we got a couple of listens of the A show through this whole investigation, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure people were yeah, screening this, the A show. It's like, no, he's talking about it here. Yeah, this is the only time that I've ever talked about this and like how all, like, I revealed how all that unfolded. Cause I mean, obviously, when I hear that all that happened, I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of keep quiet about it now because nobody's job is worth me yeah. getting a scoop for. Unless. Yeah. Unless, like, they raped somebody, then their job is definitely worth it. But that wasn't what happened here. It wasn't even that serious. It was a soundtrack and an appearance, and they just didn't want it out. And, of course, I had never dealt with, really, any musicians. So that Mm -hmm. that was new to me as well. Yeah, and and to be fair, like, from what I heard, it was never going to happen anyway. So, like, at at the end of the day, it was was like you guys were – you kind of, they kind of use him as the fall guy in this mm-hmm. sense. Like I, I shed blood for wrestling <laughs> for once, but like it, it was just it was just really wild how how it turned out. And you know, I'm, I'm of course I'm over. But I, I did I did also uh, remember you put out a, a follow up story on it where you were like, you know, it's been confirmed that no one inside the company had anything to do with it. And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there we go, there we go. But I was yeah, you know, I saw it. Yeah, and they were they, like, you should sue them. 
Because they didn't, I guess they didn't bother to, they, they said they had an agreement without having Eminem actually, he, I think, I guess he said, yes. I guess he said, yeah, I'd be interested in that type of thing. <laughs> and then they were like, cool, it's done. And then I guess when that got put out, he was like, I uh, hope you all didn't say it was done on my behalf because, I mean, I, obviously they've got some power to make things happen. But ultimately, if he doesn't want to do something, he's not doing it. Yep. So, yeah. man, it's wild. He's wild got, stuff. He, he has got... He is God in that building. I'll say that mm-hmm. much. He is literally like that is the that's the money maker. So if he doesn't want to do it, it's not gonna happen. So And, and again, we didn't we didn't see him break a table over the back of a couple of redacteds. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get into the show. Uh, we have a we have a we have a segment called No Holds Bar, Sean, where we talk about the current news and happenings around pro wrestling. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is Ruthless Aggression, the new documentary from WWE that has a lot of people in an uproar over the first two episodes because the WWE is twisting history again. Yeah. I, I liked, I liked the second episode a lot. The John Cena episode. I enjoyed that. Really good. Uh, I didn't like the first episode. Uh, and ultimately it, a lot of it did come down to like the line that they, they fed Michael Rappaport who I like. I really like Michael Rappaport, but when you have him saying, in true McMahon fashion, he innovated yeah. <laughs> to the WWE. And I'm like, man, pandas had more to do with it than Vince McMahon did. Yeah. yeah. The, the little logo that I would see on Fruit Stripe gum at the top would have more, more to do with it. It was the World Wildlife Fund that, that caused all this. And yeah. I, I, there ain't, there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong yeah. with saying that. Man, well, that, was, I think- that was so weird. I think that the well, go ahead, Mills. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's just very, very interesting, especially that you bring that up because it's like we talk about this transparency and this reality era and things like that. Like it's public knowledge that of the World Wildlife Fund and everything like that. So try to like sort of perpetuate the story and things like that. The first episode. I was, I mean, it is the most heavy, I would say, WWE propaganda. Like, this is how we won. This is how we do it. It has all the play. It has all the players in there who are going to tell you how they won and why this person, why they, even though they didn't work there, why they lost. Um, And all these are the things that has all the sort of story behind it. Um, Like you said, I did enjoy episode two more. I'm looking forward to a couple more episodes, especially if they're like that, especially if they're covering the women, especially if they're covering. I'm sure we'll get a Batista. I'm sure we get Randy Orton. I'm sure we'll get, um, I don't know, HLA, whatever. (laughs) I'm sure we'll get a whole bunch of other different things like that. But yeah, like that first episode. (laughs) It was was so weird to me because... uh, like Vince McMahon has some legitimately genius moments, even to this day. He's got some stuff that he just does exceptionally well. Yeah. But them trying to portray as if the lack of star power in the alliance is what caused that implosion. They had Booker T and DDP and the Dudleys and even Rob Van Dam. If Rob Van yeah. Dam was pushed to the top of that and it was like him and Austin, that's like – I don't know what more you could have asked for at that point. Like they had some guys that could have tided things over. And then when they wore out their welcome, you had the NWO come in and then you had like Goldberg come in and Rey Mysterio. They could have made that work for a very long time and they fumbled it. They just, it wasn't good. And that's a shame because like, I love looking back at some moments from that era because it was, it's fun to look back on in retrospect, but they Mm -hmm. fumbled it and that's, that's okay. They fumble it. Sometimes that happens, but for them to make it like, like, oh well, it was Sean Stasiak's fault because nobody knew who he was. Right. <laughs> well, why is he on the show? Why'd you bring him in? 
<laughs> also, also love that they skipped over the invasion pay per view altogether. All yeah. completely skipped over it. Skipped over 2002 in its entirety. We're, we're at like 2004 during the John Smith uh, era when it began, and I was like, okay, it's kind of weird. But I think that once again, are like, should people be surprised that WWE is writing their own, you know, history book as no. the winners of this whole thing? It's it's just different to see it because they've romanticized the Attitude Era for so long, mm-hmm. and 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 they're them going global, national and global. That it's weird to see them romanticizing this era that, quite frankly, they just don't talk about as much, and yeah. they have to romanticize it because now all the Attitude Era stars are. When they send them to Saudi Arabia, they're getting concussions and tearing their legs apart. They got they've got to make make some new legends, so to speak, because they haven't really worked that hard on creating them over the last ten years. I think this series can be very good. There's a lot of really great mm-hmm. stuff to be covered. Like Batista's turn was one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. But there's still some stuff that I'm like, oh man, I don't want to see the WWE coat of paint put on this because i i feel like it will damage how i view it in retrospect yeah because yeah yeah, because they they got to talk about the ratings they have to Mm -hmm. talk about the ratings being lower like down to at least a thousand five to three millions at that point and that was huge from them doing five i think the the little moment where brian gewertz noticed that he's like yo the ratings are gonna go down kind of (laughs) like to like as a preemptive to kind of say like listen this is how we're going to explain the ratings going down because um of the whole like oh superstars on different show and i'm just like bro this is i i get it but i'm still like of course intrigued to watch this them going over the ruthless aggression era after i mean you talk about the 2000s where we all it was was ECW all the time and going over that. And then the last decade where it's like romanticizing the attitude era, like this decade is ruthless aggression. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with going over it and looking back at what worked, what didn't work and kind of taking what I know, um, especially cause I think that's a lot of that period is also the time where like the internet wrestling community really like started to get on fire with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like outside stuff like Ring of Honor and all this stuff. I'm wondering if they'll talk about that too. I'm doubt it, but you know, um, no, because <laughs> <laughs> no. that's when I that's when I discovered like alternative stuff in terms of watching stuff like watching you know I, at some time like HBK and God versus Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon. I was just like, oh, what else <laughs> is kind of on? And that's where I kind of got into Ring of Honor. But like you know, I, I'm interested in kind of see how it goes from here. Yeah, I, right. I like that up. period. I like 2002 to like early 2004, particularly. Then it got a little bit dark. There were some bright yeah. spots here and there, but there was a lot of stuff that I liked. I mean, I, I just, I like I said, I hope that I don't have like a a bad retrospect on it based on how they paint it. Because here's the thing: there are going to be a whole generation of wrestling fans that are educated by these documentaries and that yeah. that, that did not watch it. I mean, there are 18 year olds that have no clue that any of this stuff happened and they're going to buy every single thing that they're being sold here. Like it's a history book. Mm-hmm. Next point. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling issued a statement last night on their upcoming shows in lieu of the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, they have, they, they said a lot of things here. Uh, obviously if you, if you know, you're, you're encouraged to wear a surgical mask at all of their events, uh, you know, things like their meet and greets being canceled, you know, refunds being available for tickets purchased for their March events, um, this is a huge deal. Um, not only wrestling being affected, but also tech, uh, Apple, Sony, Nintendo, everyone is being affected by this virus. 
Um, I, I think that uh, again, like I would, I would be, you know, remiss to not, you know, bring up the fact that there's Olympics happening over there this year as well, uh, and how that will play into effect of it as well. But you know, how do you guys feel about this? You know, New Japan should they have done more? Should they be canceling their shows outright? Like, what what kind of precaution should they be taking? I feel like, <laughs> I mean, so I don't think they're going to cancel their shows because businesses would just go down if they decided yeah. to do that. Um, but I do think, I mean, they're taking at least in terms of the precaution of sending out these things. I do think that's at least something, but I don't know if, if it's spreading crazy like that, that I would want to be in a place with a ton of people. Um, and they're, it's, it's scary, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think they're doing the right thing in terms of this actual notice themselves. The only thing they could do better is cancel shows. But I really don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd no, be surprised no. if that happened. And fortunately, uh, fortunately for this, I'm in a very sparsely populated area, and I don't have to worry <laughs> about it that much. But it's horrifying to hear that, especially with. Uh, it feels like it went from like a few hundred cases to like 70,000 cases overnight. That's what it feels right. like. And, yeah. and, uh, the, and the, the doctor, one of the doctors at the hospitals where, where it broke out, it passed away last night, I believe. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's really serious. Um, but I mean, obviously we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on whatever new Japan decides, but I, I, again, I'm glad that they did issue the statement on what's going on and they keep their talent safe more than anything, as well as the people that attend the shows. Um, next up, Shelton Benjamin announced that he's resigning with the WWE. John, did you have any type of inkling that this was going to happen before he before he uh, said it, or was it just kind of a surprise to you? It, like it's, I didn't have an inkling. I didn't hear about it, but it it actually didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I'm sure he's frustrated that he isn't getting used on TV a lot, but Shelton does seem very much like a guy that would be like, "Hey, you want to pay me?" mid six figures until I'm in my late forties, go ahead, <laughs> have at it. Uh, you, yeah. uh, I get to hang out while you all do that. And I mean, the, the guy has always said, which, which is frustrating to a guy like me. Cause people would always ask him about his physique and he's like, ah, mostly genetics. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like he's got to kill himself in the gym or the ring now. Good for him. He was, uh, yeah. pro- he was my last favorite wrestler before I got into wrestling media and kind of abandoned that. And I, I think that <laughs> if, if Shelton Benjamin 2004 was around today, oh, my God, I couldn't imagine them not pushing him to the moon with that like skit he did with Vince McMahon and Trish Stratus. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Yes. And, and you look back at him and, and look at how he performed against every other top guy, Shawn Michaels, Christian, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Triple H, Randy Orton. He would always have amazing matches with those guys. And not everybody always had amazing matches with all those guys, but he did. He's the ultimate person to have. I love that they keep calling back the, the Brock Lesnar connection and uh, good for him. I hope he makes a lot of money. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like when I saw it, I was like, yeah, he definitely earned that contract from from what he did at the Royal yep. Rumble, because I thought that was one of my favorite spots of that match that night. And I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm happy for anybody that's that, you know, 
you know, like you said, almost in their 40s and their late 40s, getting that, that extra bag for just hanging around. I mean, Shelton could easily become a producer or somebody on the creative team. He's been around forever. I'm just like, where else could he, you know, where else could you really realistically see him going at this point? Yeah, I think it would be weird to kind of like, if he leaves, he's really going to be kind of like the nostalgia act on a bunch mm-hmm. of shows. Whereas, you know, or trying to imagine him trying to reestablish himself, you know, in AEW or something along those lines. But, um, it's a, you know, I think it's just it's, it's safe. It's easy. They're paying people a lot more money now to stick around, um, especially with a lot more years. Um, yeah, he gets to troll me. Yeah, he gets to troll me. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> I've, I've badly wanted like an angry old man OVW team with him and Randy Orton for so long. Just, <laughs> just them being like, we didn't have to do all these flips, even though Shelton was absolutely doing 450s and stuff back then. Like I, oh, I just was, think he that he was the old age ricochet. He was the old yeah. age ricochet. Yeah, oh he was God. him and him and Brock. That was the most psychotic thing to me watching them do shooting star presses and four fifties everywhere. When one was two hundred and forty five pounds and the other one was three hundred pounds, I would love some sort of connection there. I mean, right now Randy Orton's in one of the hottest angles there there is, but eventually he's going to be back in that spot where it's like, what more can you do with Randy Orton and make him interesting? Right. We haven't really he's, seen him in anything like that. He has probably negotiated himself a ruthless aggression episode all about Shelton. Oh God, yeah, yeah. That, that was standard in the new Randy Orton Shelton Benjamin contracts. They get their own episode. That's got to happen. Uh, next point, really, really, really quick. Uh, Vince McMahon has been attending, uh, or it's reported that he's been attending less Raw and SmackDown events. I think this should be of no surprise to anyone with the XFL doing pretty well. I'd say uh, for the past two weeks. Um, where, where do you guys think does Vince pull completely away this year? Does he what what, what does he do? Because I mean, in my opinion, I like what Heyman's doing with Raw. Not so much what Bruce and team are doing with SmackDown. I think he should definitely be lording over that show a lot more than than he is right now. Yeah, when I had reported this, I had just kind of been poking around because it was after the quarterly call and him talking about pay-per-views being up for sale. And then I had some people reach out and say, well, it might be a lot more than that. And we were talking about the the, the co-president firings. So I reached out to people on Raw and SmackDown, and I was told that from right before Thanksgiving until I think the February 5th SmackDown, between then he wasn't at SmackDown at all. And then on Raw, he's there about half the time. And that was very approximate, which I mean, for us growing up, you would always hear how much of a control freak he was and how he was there all the time. But yeah, I mean, XFL is doing good. I I did have a person who works for the XFL say they have just never heard his name brought up as far as any sort of stuff there. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what kind of input that he has there, but I'm digging the XFL so far. Yeah, is, is, it, is yeah, the XFL right. a lot better than the first time? Is it is it oh, a lot better? Than way the first better, time? way better. Okay. I don't watch yeah. football, so I, I, I don't watch football either. I watched last week though, and I was like, "Oh, this ain't bad. It's not bad at all." Not it was bad. it was like, good. Yeah, not, uh, not bad at all. But last point on No Holds Bar, I just want quick thoughts on Takeover Portland. Um, I thought it was a really really fun show. I think the opener was really spectacular. Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, like, once again, you know they they killed it. Really love the tag team match as well. Um, the main event obviously is getting a lot of people up in arms. <laughs> They've been talking about it literally up to today about the, the takeover main event style meals. I know you had a feeling about it as well. And, and Sean yeah. as well. Uh, what, what did you guys think about takeover as a show? I think just in general, it's one of the best shows that I probably will not watch again. I feel <laughs> like 
and and not necessarily that it's like not watchable over, but I think it's one of those shows, especially when you you look at that NXT kind of style and especially how they go kind of all out for NXT takeover. I think in just in general, to me, the kind of few matches that stood out, I think there was a lot piled up on this card and not every big moment was able to have that big moment, just kind, kind of way how the card was constructed and also like the amount of physical damage that everyone has done to themselves on this card. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you, you, the opening match was Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. And it was like, they could have ended that. They could have yeah, ended and, that. <laughs> and then you get to the end and it's a complete massacre at this point between Ciampa and Adam Cole. And it's just like, to me, kind of like the whole structure of the show, I probably wouldn't sit through that again, especially that main event. I thought that main event was, went long. I was just like, just end it now. Just at this point, <laughs> just end it. Um, but yeah, I, it's it was a really good show. I just probably won't watch it unless like a match pops up on YouTube again or something. Yeah, I wouldn't mind them scaling back the same formula of the main events, even though I enjoy watching them. I think it was the, the Botomania guy on Twitter who put like, man, they kick out of everything 100 times. You know that nothing's going to be a finish for the first while. I, I agree with that. And meanwhile, on the other end of things, I loved Lee and Dijakovic. Uh, yeah. Also, I think it's super weird that they take away people's first and last names, but they went and added a bunch of like syllables <laughs> to his name. Like all you need is Dijak in all capital letters, and that guy's good to go. But I, I love that match. I thought it was the best match of the night. I love the Broserweight stuff. I thought that Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai had the type of match they needed to have because I had question marks about both of them in the mm-hmm. ring and as characters, and they look like they're just going to fit in just fine now. And yeah, the main I, event. I love that storyline that between yeah. those two. The brutality there. I, th- I think you know you got to go cage match here. You got to go bigger when they do it again because they're one one. You got to have the rubber match. And I and I would say like if you want to push Dakota to that bigger heel level uh, until Eo gets back or, or just to have her next to Eo when she does get back, you have her win that whole thing too. Yeah, I, I enjoyed all that. It's just. I, I got to see them scale back the, the takeover main event formula a little bit. Obviously, it works for them, but I mean, at some point, the unpredictability gets predictable, and yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's what I'd like to see a little bit changed. I, I think if they put a bigger, I hate to even say this, but like you know, the the take, the, the NXT champion has always been like the you know the so called smaller guy, you know, yes. the, the two hundred five and up guy. If they put that on somebody like a Dijakovic. Keith Lee, I think those matches get shorter. I think they do hit the 20 minute mark. I think that you do give them like a, uh, like, but the thing is, is like they have Walter on, on the other end, NXT UK, he's having 40 minute matches. It's like, you know, yeah. this is just the style of, of takeover. And it's like saying on Twitter today, like, you know what you're going to get with these main events. You know, if you're going to check out, just go ahead and check out at 930 because it's going to go for 40 minutes and it's going to go yeah. over. So um, I, I think people should, you know, check their expectations. But I do agree with everybody that, like, in order to kind of create the best, best balance, they need to put the biggest matches on last. I think if, if you have a, a Lee and Dijakovic that's going to go 20, 25 minutes, you put that on last. You, if you're going to if you want to coordinate the browser weights, which I thought that that moment was completely lost literally right after they won it, because there was another like 40 minute match right after that. Like right. you got to set expectations where you got to train the fans to, to be ready for anything to happen. And like you said, the unpredictability is really predictable there. Right. I, I do. I thought, 
Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I thought in terms of the actual finish itself, I mean, the finish of the match is kind of why they did what they did. But even in terms of like putting on something last, I thought probably Bianca Belair versus Rhea, I thought that had the most stakes out of anything on that show because it had legitimately WrestleMania stakes to it. Mm -hmm. And I thought you could have hyped that up. You could have, you know, Charlotte was going to come out anyway. You could have, they could have gave these women a moment to kind of like show off. I don't think we've had a, a main event. Well, actually, we have Sasha versus Bailey. But yeah. we haven't had one in a quite, quite you know, some time. And I thought this was a perfect match because there was so much stakes on the line. And it might be the last NXT TakeOver before Mania where you have the Women's Championship on the line. So yeah. that's just my two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do uh, like that in some ways that they have effectively killed the bathroom break match. Because yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, these shows also aren't as long. Like when you're dealing with like a four or five hour show, sometimes you need that. People got to take dumps, I guess, but <laughs> you can take your phone with you, but not wow. at the arena. But I mean, the thing is, if if most shows were two, two and a half hours, you don't have to have that break. You don't have to have an intermission. People can sit down and digest it in no pun intended and just move on after the show. But when the shows are four or five hours long, you do kind of have to have that rest. Yeah. Wow. The next Riddick, Ma- Ross, <laughs> Riddick oh, Moss boy. match, I'm going to say, hashtag people got to take dumps, I guess. It's true. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, His matches right. aren't long enough to do that, though. <laughs> oh, no. And they, and they all end their roll-up. So, I, don't, I mean, yeah. if you're in line in, at, the, at the Tampa Bay uh, Stadium in Tampa, you're not going to have much uh, time to use the bathroom. That's the truth. All right. Let's get into our mania moment for this week. We're going to go all the way. All the way to the Staples Center. You know, they, they announced that WrestleMania is going to be in L.A. next year. So I had to go back and go to WrestleMania 21 the last time that it was there. Uh, let's talk about the first Money in the Bank match. It was Edge with uh, Redacted and Chris Jericho. Christian with Tyson Tomko. Kane and Shelton Benjamin. Match went 15 minutes. It's one of the, I, I'd say, one of the most... Uh, I, I, I wanted to, not, not only just iconic, but one of the, like a match that kind of changed everything in terms of ladder matches. You don't think of ladder matches the same after the Money in the Bank match. Of course, Edge won this. He was the first Money in the Bank match winner. What did you guys think, you know, whether it was back then when you watched it for the first time and all the way now, like about this first Money in the Bank match and the legacy that precedes it or, or actually that succeeds it? I thought it set the tone. It, it was perfect for what it was because there, there was something missing from WrestleMania at that point to me, because the year before it felt very much like a let's get everybody on the show type of moment where you had like the two four wet four corner tag matches and you had the cruiserweight open where you had like seven or eight really good guys like Kidman and Mysterio and Tajiri and Ultimo Dragon all just going out there and getting beaten in a minute and a half. And it seemed like yeah. they tried to shoehorn <laughs> everybody into this show. And then the next year, they're like, well, you know, how about putting six people in a ladder match? And there's stakes. There's something important happening. And by the way, we're going to put former champions in here, too. Like, I thought it was perfect. And the guy with the lowest profile was Shelton Benjamin. And he was the person who said, this is what the ladder match is going to be from here on out. And if you don't live up to this, you're disappointing everybody. I thought that was awesome. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, quite honestly, especially the take about the Shelton Benjamin, because he kind of like helped redefine the athleticism in the ladder match. Um, moving forward, I mean, a lot of it before was just people falling off of stuff, but we had never seen someone like run up a ladder, clothesline somebody, jump off a ladder, flip over somebody, um, you know, spider um, springboard onto a ladder. Like all of this has kind of been game changing in terms of the legacy of that match and what it kind of brought. And it also kind of introduced the way that they were going to i wouldn't say i'm trying to define in terms of now money in the bank winners right because Mm -hmm. in terms of the actual briefcase and gets who holds it was it more it it wasn't like a term like a long-term kind of thing like a royal rumble win in a sense but it was kind of like an end to mean in terms of a story um i don't think any of the money in the bank winners have gone on to like hold the title for a significant amount of time afterwards or a memorable run post winning post cashing in the briefcase. But I think Edge did. Didn't Edge have it from like I mean, he, January not, to June? Edge has never had a long run. He he won it for like two weeks, remember? He won it yeah. at Revolution, then they immediately took it oh, off. Royal of Rumble. It. Yeah, at the Royal Rumble. He had it for two weeks, but I'm trying to like figure out because it kind of like I'm trying to spell out in terms of you have these winners you, you'll have the type of edge who I think at that point when he won it, he needed in his career to kind of take it to the next level. And I think he capitalized off of it so well. And I think Punk, I think Punk was probably going to be on his way, whether he won it or not. Um, but then you have people like Jack Swagger and like um, Damien Sandow. Damien Sandow, you were reading my brain. Um, Baron Corbin, who never even got a chance to <laughs> successfully cash it in. And you kind of <laughs> like, what's what was the, the story behind? Was the story behind that, that that Cena didn't like him or something like that? That no. was like a really weird story about well, why Baron lost it. One of the rumors, the rumors, which I can't confirm, was that when WWE had a concussion specialist backstage, Baron Corbin, former NFL player, had the balls to step up and say. Hey, I've got some issues with some of this stuff you guys are saying because I'm pretty well versed on this and that it didn't go too well. But that was just a rumor. I don't know if it was true, but yeah, that didn't go well for Baron Corbin. I think I think stuff like that goes a long way in why people don't take him seriously these days, too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because they they joked him for that for a very yeah. long time after he lost the left he lost the, the briefcase, but like yeah. even in the, the even in the lineage of winners like can we all remember who was the last the, the last holders of the the briefcase and the people before them? I, I remember Brock just because I thought that should have yeah. went a lot longer than it did, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, Bailey was a, a, I, was a women's holder. Bailey was the women's holder. Wow, didn't actually because it was probably the same night, which is why. She but then the I'm always. Yeah, it's always like, okay, so are we, is it long term? You have Carmella who holds it for like a year. And it's like, that's her gimmick now because she had kind of nothing else at that point. She wasn't, I I, I, I starkly remember Carmella coming out and you can hear a pin drop with the briefcase and then with all <laughs> um, Yeah, they, they do the thing now where they don't have any real plans for the winner. And mm-hmm. they, they feel like, well, they've got the briefcase so we can beat them every single week. So when yeah. they show up, and they win the title that it's surprising, but then they're like, Oh, well, why doesn't anybody react? Well, because you beat them <laughs> for months and months and months, instead of yeah. making them look like they were a person who just beat five or six other people to win this right. briefcase. It's so weird sometimes. Yeah, I, it, I think it, the, go ahead. 
And it was like, you know, they and they did that with like people like Punk too, who never yeah. actually lost any of his, you know, any of his heat or any of his popularity for getting beat that much. And it made it even bigger. But I, I will say that like even with these these most current winners, they didn't do that this time. And I thought that that actually added a level of unpredictability uh, to the proceedings at, the, at this point, where it's like, yeah, I do agree. Like Brock should have had it way longer, just because it was just funny to have him show up on both shows and, and troll people. But when it finally happened a lot more legitimacy to the fact that he was someone that could just take it whenever he wanted to and that was just the moment that he wanted to do it i think just in general especially with the money in the bank ladder match and everything like that i was when you know when i saw this i was just like hmm i'm trying to figure out whether i prefer it on the wrestlemania card or i prefer it as a paper oh yeah and I'm legitimately thinking, like, I think I might have, towards the end, started taking it for granted on the WrestleMania card anyway. Um, just because it became, like, too... It, it was too much in the same cycle. It was too much of the same thing. You kind of knew what to expect. And you still know what to expect with these Money in the Bank sort of pay-per-views and type of things like that. But I think giving it its own pay-per-view helps highlight it and spotlight it a little bit enough. It gives you something cool for the summer, at least, where there's kind of, like... Nothing really going on between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. It gives you something to look forward to. But I don't know if I would want it back on WrestleMania if they ever decided to go back on it. It has been, I believe it has been a decade this year since it was on a WrestleMania card. And that was when Jack Swagger won it. Yeah, I I think that if they're not going to do it there, I mean, I don't know how much cross-pollination they want to do with NXT. Also, I wonder if, Moving forward, the money in the bank will extend to NXT if they'll they'll have like that title be eligible because the last money in the bank they did, they were pretty vague about what titles people could challenge for. They just said yeah. women's title, men's title type of thing. So and I mean they do a when they do a tag one as well. Yeah, I would I would love to see some flexibility given there because they have ultimate flexibility. They make their own rules. It's not like Major League Baseball. They can just change anything they want anytime they want. So I would love to see yeah. some some flexibility there. But I thought that WrestleMania match, it really set the stage. It it showed everybody this was worth paying attention to. Yeah. Right. Uh, what were you guys' real quick, your favorite Money in the Bank matches, if you can remember? Oh, man. After like twenty of them, I can't really, you know. Yeah, they, they do run together, but ah, uh, man, let me. I'll have I remember. To, well, the first one, I, I, you know, I have the DVD for that one. I mm-hmm. just remember WrestleMania twenty one. It's so clear in my head, even down to the moment of Edge hitting Redacted with that mm-hmm. and you know, <laughs> getting the briefcase. You know, I remember the second one. The only reason I remember the second one and how distinct it was because I was like, Ric Flair is in this? Holy yes. crap. He's like, <laughs> he killed himself there. Like, yeah. he was like literally went toe to toe with like, <laughs> I took a suplex off the ladder. I, yeah. I had a WrestleMania party and one of my friends was legitimately concerned. He was like, no, he's too old. He's too old. <laughs> I remember the SmackDown one in 2011 thinking, this isn't going to be great because. Honestly, a lot of people in it were kind of mid at that point. You had Wade Barrett, Kane, Cody Rhodes, Sheamus, Sin Cara, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, and Daniel Bryan. And then I saw Heath Slater doing like crazy stuff, and I was like, I didn't know he could do that. Like I had no clue he could do that. But there are some that surprised me. But there, there have been a few that I can't remember just off the top of my head that were that I thought were terrible. But 
very rarely does that happen because even today they're, they're still innovating so much. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I can't remember if it was a ladder match or if it was a money in the bank when I think it was just a ladder match when Kalisto did the Salida del Sol, but Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a ladder match. It was the, yeah, it was tight. I think it was a US title ladder match. There you go, there you go. But yeah, I would have to say maybe maybe that SmackDown win in 2011 surprised me the most, but I can't really put my finger on a favorite. Um, uh, I would probably, I probably yeah. have to say the I think the Daniel Bryan one where he won was, was my was my favorite. That might have that was the same one I think. <laughs> yeah, 2011. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, I can't. I honestly, they all blur together. Like if you put one in front of me today. I mean, there's one with the Miz, Miz, Rey Mysterio, Jack Swagger, R Truth, Kofi Kingston, Evan Bourne, and Alex Riley, and I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess that <laughs> happened. Um, <laughs> but like, I'll never actually, you know, remember a lot of these match. I kind of remember just the first few. Um, the one where Edge went through the ladder, I thought that was where Jeff Hardy put Edge through a ladder. That was the first time I ever Insane. saw a ladder break in half. It revolutionized the match. Now it's a regular yeah. spot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually insane. Like, and then there was, you know, I you know what I can't honestly remember. Uh, I can't. It's just there's too oh, many of them at this point. They I'm all the blend only, together. I'm the only person that remembers that one. I'm the only person that remembers <laughs> their favorite one. <laughs> all right, uh, real quick, let's run through these shows. Of course, uh, Friday Night SmackDown, our favorite show to watch and review. Meals, uh, Sean, how'd you feel about Friday's show? Oh. Same way I felt about SmackDown <laughs> for months. Wow. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, Sean, been, it's for reaffirming so, yeah. in my heart. Man, I, I am watch, not crazy. I watch Raw on Mondays, and it ain't easy to make a good three-hour show, and they've done it more, more often than not in 2020. And SmackDown, I, if I'm at Fox and I'm watching this show, whether I know anything about wrestling or not, I'm like, what did we buy? Like, what did we do? <laughs> I didn't. I know they didn't pay for five months of Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns. I know they didn't do that. It, it is amazing to me how they can make Roman Reigns and the Usos not interesting because those are three of the most interesting people that I've ever seen in that company. And they just, yeah. it's like, well, okay, well, don't pay attention to them for whatever reason. What, what, it's so what weird. is the blame here? Like, do we, are we blaming Bruce and, and, and that team for this? Are we blaming they just want to be sick? Cause I always felt like they just wanted to have a safe show for Friday night on, on Fox, but it's like, maybe they need to kind of up the ante and make it a little bit more edgy. Cause it feels like I'm watching like a Saturday morning TV show sometimes. Yeah. That's a good expo. That's a good description of it. It really feels like, and you know what? Honestly, if I watch this show on Saturday mornings in 1996, I still might be upset. I still might be like, come on! I'd rather watch Buddy Land. I'd rather watch Buddy Landell versus Bret Hart in a match that I know Buddy Landell isn't going to win. It's just they. To me, the issue is they don't have any good heels that actually get booed. And I have people all the time say, "Baron Corbin, Baron Corbin." No, I'm sorry, that ain't it. He ain't it. Baron Corbin in King of the Ring. That's him. He was having awesome matches, and I was like, damn. This is this is the guy. This is why they thought he was going to be the guy. And I can see live because I go to shows all the time live and I hear him get booed out of the building. I can see why Vince McMahon would be on the other side of those video boards and think, ah, goddamn, pal, he's he's it. (laughs) I can see that. But then why doesn't he get booked like that? The Fiend is the top heel on the show. He does not get booed. And then below that, it ain't Ziggler. It ain't rude. It ain't Corbin. 
what is it, Miz and Morrison? Well, they just got beat yeah. last week too. It ain't the revival. Yeah, they're they're tre- 50 50 too. Yeah, then it's Sammy and Nak. Sammy might be the most interesting one. Yeah. Wow. Playing playing the role of meals this week, Sean Rossap. Thank you so much for just reaffirming to me that I'm not crazy and that the show is as bad sometimes as advertised. (laughs) Oh yeah, I would. I would. As far as a weekly TV show goes, I'd put it behind. NXT, Raw, AEW, MLW, Impact, and XFL. Everything. Yeah, XFL. Um, <laughs> because I think occasionally uh, the Undertaker's bell tolls on the XFL game, so I count that as wrestling now. Uh, it's a better wrestling show than SmackDown. I can't stand SmackDown every week. This week's no. show, before we have didn't even get to talk about it. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, because I was about to say, this, you know. <laughs> This week's show featured three matches, not four, oh. only three, three matches. But I wanted, I want to take one second to give Bailey her flowers here. I know a lot of yes. people don't do this a lot. I know that Bailey looks at her run sheet and she has to literally like want to puke every single week, but she's doing the most with the least in that women's division on SmackDown. I think she pulled out a great match with her, with legitimately her friend who was Carmella. Yeah. And I thought that that match was great. I thought the Lacey Evans match that they did a couple, like a month ago on, on the show was really good until they did it over again on Royal Rumble. Um, I think every single week, Brit Bailey is trying to bring her a game. And it's, I think she's, you know, to me, improving as a heel week by week. And I think that, you know, it, it just shows that once you give them the time to build on this on this character, that they actually will succeed. So this week, I want to give Bailey her flowers. I think she's the shining star of SmackDown. Yeah, I, I, I thought that match ruled. And I think Carmella has been actually good for longer than people realize. If people go back oh, yeah. and watch, if they go back and watch when Charlotte had her return match after after she had some work done, like I think it was two years ago, she oh, was yeah. struggling. I remember she that was, one, yeah. Yeah, she struggled through that match. And Carmella, like really all that work that she had put in as a champion before that paid off in that match because I thought she carried Charlotte through that match. And mm-hmm. I had people that were like, oh, well, where are all the great Carmella matches since then? And I'm thinking that wasn't her role. Her role was to hang out with R-Truth, chase the 24-7 title and do that. And then she, she comes it. Yeah, and she was awesome. I, I interviewed her in our truth, and she said that she loves that stuff because a lot of people get pigeonholed into one thing, and they only get to work fifteen minute matches, or they only get to work two minute matches. She gets to do a little bit of everything, and I thought her and Bailey rocked it. I do wish more story was told individually with them. I do wish that the week before Bailey would have cost Naomi the match to give her a little Damn. bit more of a reason. Mm-hmm. I do wish that they could have. It seemed like they rushed the story, and that that's frustrating. But this match ruled, and Bailey just keeps getting better too. No, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. In terms of just the shining lights of the show, um, Bailey versus Carmella, and and you're right. I think Carmella has been a lot be- has been better for a lot longer than people think. And I think just before the whole. You know, even including in that Becky program, including that lead up to SummerSlam where they did the Becky Carmella Charlotte thing, I thought she was putting in a lot of effort and a lot of great, you know, you know, just having these great matches with Car- with um Charlotte, with with Becky and things like that. And, you know, 
holding the championship and you knew it was her last days. Like you, you knew it was coming to an end pretty soon, but she was still putting in the effort. And even on the other side of that championship loss, like she's still doing the things that she needs to do. She's someone who's genuinely improved on the show. And Bailey, I think this run for once again for Bailey, it is also like echoing her, like her NXT title run where, a lot of the women left the whole the other four horsewomen left. So like, where are you going from that? And she's having matches mm-hmm. with Eva Marie and she's having matches at Carmella and Alexa bliss, Nia Jax, all these other things. And it's like these girls that, you know, aren't putting on these spectacular matches that they have with the four horsewomen, but they're having great matches nonetheless. And I think that's kind of what ba- Bailey's legacy will be at the end of the day. And, you know, she's, she's improving as a heel. Um, I still don't think of her as, to me the <laughs> yeah because she's yeah. just not I, I don't believe it fully um but she's doing really really good i do believe she has that snarky side in her because i generally felt like she's felt like this for years <laughs> and you all see that it coming shit. out on social media now too yeah. i love it where yeah, they're like that. why aren't you doing a q a and she's like or a meet and greet and she goes because i don't want to meet you and it's like it's it's the funniest shit ever man but it's it's just really good i think that was kind of like the shining light of smackdown in my opinion yeah um and maybe cowbell 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 maybe yeah that too that was that was the best (laughs) thing they've done with that feud thus far tandem yeah yeah um the otis segment i i've always said bruce is really good at at pre-tapes and you know this Mm -hmm. this is more proof of this the otis mandy Dolph ziggler segments i thought were uh to me i know mills you you were like if if this doesn't hit i'm cutting a promo so it must have hit really well for you because you're not cutting a promo on it right now but i thought it was uh, another enjoyable part of smackdown on friday i thought it was I don't know. There's some part of me that thought it was like done by like an amateur, in my opinion, in terms of just like the cuts and everything. It was so, it's like um, when the he way dropped they the kind flowers, of, that was, that was artistic. He, yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I thought it was artistic as that Simpson episode where <laughs> they made all those short films. Um, but <laughs> but to me, I was just like, huh. But you know what? They I think they've wanted to bring Dolph Ziggler into this for a very long time. Um I'm sure we'll get Ziggler and Rude versus these guys, and it'll be a great match, and it'll, we'll go into Mania, and then something will happen. They'll be um, in the Andre. Listen, they'll be in the Andre. No, nah, <laughs> okay. don't, don't, don't put that on them. Don't put them on. Don't put that on them. But Otis, I mean, I would have liked in this instant, and here's kind of what we're at this point. We're telling a kind of story. Tell a significant part of the story. This has been something that's been built up for two weeks. This isn't something that, in my opinion, should have been just like, I'm getting ready. And he's getting ready in the backstage locker room for a date somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's just like, he's sweating and everything. I thought this was an opportunity to tell a significant part of the story. I would, I would have, I think if they had more ideas for it, it should have closed the show. I mean, quite yeah. honestly. Um, but, you know, that's all I kind of wish for. It was more. It, I wish even if we built up to the Dolph Ziggler thing, have it be a significant part of the story. Hey, give it a couple more minutes. Give it a couple more pre-tapes. Add a little bit more depth to it instead of like, oh, Dolph they got Ziggler. two hours meals. They only got two hours. You got to get oh, to listen, the. You got to get to the news. Listen, you gotta get to fashion the news. file it up. Fashion file it up. <laughs> Come on. Uh, real quick before we get off SmackDown, uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman. I guess they're not going to Saudi Arabia, so they're getting the the shit end of the stick here as far as <laughs> their matches. Uh, where is Daniel going for WrestleMania? I'd always figured that he was going to get Taker, but that seems not to be the case now, uh, as we'll talk about on Raw. What is Daniel Bryan going to get? Is he going to get Sheamus finally? 
Maybe he eliminates Otis from the Andre. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you? Imagine? Oh, the internet is going to go ablaze when Daniel Bryan makes the Andre a five star oh. classic. Oh, well, how yeah, about that's this? what I'm saying, how about, right? How about this? Sheamus eliminates Bryan from the Andre. Oh, my God. And we just, oh, we just, and they try to drum up that because they think that's what we want to see. They think that's the history we want to build off of. That way, in 20 years, when they do the reality era documentary, they can talk <laughs> about the uh, Seamus Daniel Bryan feud that lasted 10 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Monday, Monday Night Raw. Uh, I thought of all of the shows they've done in 2020, this one was by far the weakest. Um, yeah. I'm still able to get through these three hours every week though, which is incredible. I looked up and it was like nine 50 and I was like, wow, I haven't, you know, I haven't really lost interest in this show yet, but I do feel as though there were less home run segments and, and really just a couple that uh, really resonated with me after I saw them uh, air. But the one, the one that everyone's talking about is Randy Orton beating Matt Hardy's ass for 20 minutes and going to commercial. How'd you guys feel about that? <laughs> uh, so I, I had something that I actually reported on Fightful Select right before this. They were supposed to do a match, and Vince changed oh, wow. it Monday, like the day of, uh, because they had announced that no-holds-barred match. And I think that would have been a bad idea. I think Vince was right here. But really, mm-hmm. they just shouldn't have brought Matt back. Like, he got wrote off perfect last yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> also, I do think it's kind of funny that he is never on TV and he comes back and he's in the hottest angle of the show two weeks running. But I thought they, they, they read his piece. Yeah. And he tried to make sense of this on his own and his own social media <laughs> stuff. Because that's what he does. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what he does. He likes stuff to make sense. And I'll say this. Raw has been I thought I think Raw has been very good to awesome in 2020. This, I, I agree. I think it was the weakest draw. But uh, again, I, I wasn't like, oh my God, I got to turn off this show like I was last year through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And this was, I thought, the best thing on the show, even though we saw the same thing last week. Yeah, he, well, he, I, I said last week, I was like, they're going to get really disrespectful with writing him off next week. And <laughs> they did. But it literally, like, Randy killed him. And I think that if he never showed yeah. up on WWE, they could put that in the documentary that Randy Orton literally killed him on TV. And he never showed up again. And that's the WWE truth. Um, yeah. Speaking of more truth, AJ Styles shows up on the show. He says that it is, it is an undisputed truth that he's the best in the universe. So we are setting up for some gongs here. What did you guys think about this segment with AJ Styles kind of setting up the storyline with The Undertaker? This wasn't, this wasn't for the Tariq the tone of the, <laughs> the Tariq uh, Memorial Trophy of Excellence. Well, this wasn't that. for one of those. <laughs> I feel like he's gonna win. I mean, that. he's gotta win. That. He's gotta win that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm cool with this. I think they can have a good seven, eight minute match if they keep it that way. I mean, just in my head, between their their like signature and go to moves, I can think of like six, seven minutes that would be good at a really high pace. So if I can yeah. think of that, I'm sure that those two guys can think of something way better. And I get the feeling WWE kind of knows the drill now. Let's not put mm-hmm. Undertaker in there with guys who give themselves concussions before the match and <laughs> and people that can't pick him up or anything like that. That he had that awesome tag match last year that I that yeah. I loved. And yeah. I have no doubts that him and AJ are gonna have a good match for what they can do. Uh, I think this is a good idea. Phenom versus phenomenal writes itself. Exactly. Right. You're, the, you're the first half of it, and then that's that's what it is. It's like you can't yeah. get you can't get phenomenal without phenom. So 
I mean, I, I'm writing it for you, Paul. <laughs> I'm writing it for you. Uh, Seth, Rollins, Seth Rollins had a spin on Monday. It was, it was hyped up last, uh, early this week. And um, I've, I've dug parts of this sermon. I think Seth hasn't completely bought into this character. And I made the comparison of CM Punk and the Straight Edge Society gimmick, where he had the kind of like the kind of uh, the the voice that he had during that. Like he changed his whole inflection and everything. With Seth, like he comes out to the ring, he's doing the whole Messiah thing, he's touching hands and everything, but then he starts talking and it's regular Seth. And that's what took me out of that whole segment. I think he needs to be the meme, Seth, the, the evil laugh type of thing yeah. that, that people have embraced <laughs> from him. And I, I honestly, I fear Drew McIntyre is going a little bit down the babyface Seth Rollins road with all the, all the oh yeah, with all oh, the come it. on guys, hey all you guys, I'm doing this for you, you guys type of stuff. And yeah, man, man, we don't buy it. We watch Seth Rollins stomp a dude's face into cinder blocks and and yeah. like turn on his best friends and all this stuff. Like they, I think they downplay how amazing some of these people are sometimes. And, and mm-hmm. it's weird because they want everybody to be superstars, but then they they want them to be an everyman too. And it's like there has to be either a balance or something that goes way beyond that. I look at Seth Rollins and I'm like, man, this is the guy that tore his ACL and still power bombed Cage or Kane with his knee in shreds. Like, yeah, the, he's interesting. There's stuff about him that we we probably don't know. And the, yeah, even on the other side of that, even on the other side of that. He's someone that people hate as mm-hmm. well off the show. And this character is a direct response to that. Like the one thing I do love that they keep putting in, in his promos is that I thank you for letting me be the man that I was supposed to be. Because yeah. he's becoming the person that they told him to be and they hate him for. It. And I think, again, I'm also like they, they're actually booing Seth. And I thought that he would turn to a heel and people would love him. But I do love that he's maintained the fact that he's a hated character on the show. And I think that's something that's very underrated about him is that they made him annoying. And by proxy, they actually made him a better heel and someone that people will boo regardless of what he does on screen. And I think that the actual sermon worked in that it was really long, rambling. That's what you have to have is that that type of heel. But the voice, and I just feel like he hasn't bought into the black, like, I know this sounds blasphemous for saying, but he hasn't bought into (laughs) the blasphemous parts of what he is yet, where he has to be the televangelist type person. You know, I think a large part of him being booed is the fact that he's not wrestling, which is a large part of why people end up cheering Seth Rollins is because the man goes all out and you literally see him. He he doesn't, I mean, there's definitely a heel style that he has, but he's still balls to the wall. He's still top rope superplex into a falcon arrow. He still will hit you with three suicide dives and things like that or planches. He's still that kind of guy. And I think for the main fact that he hasn't wrestled and you've able to have to focus on the character as opposed to like what he instead of like work rate or wherever people were trying to go for with him. Um is a large part of why I think people are booing him because you really now you're into like the Twitter personality and the personality that everyone kind of hated um, when, you know, he was established. And um, there, I think it plays off of WDB's own booking sometimes where he says that basically the nut, I can't remember what term he used, but the deniers, the people that, that go against what he's doing, they're going to force to uh, go his way. Because <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what WWE does with baby faces a lot of times. They're like, you don't like yeah. it too bad. You're going to learn to like it. And I, I do enjoy him taking that approach. 
Um, he tried to literally uh, murder Kevin Owens at the end of the show. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess it was like implied that he was going to murder him. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I thought the I thought, Kevin Owens I thought he was like, I'm going to crucify you. And I thought they were going to bring down the giant symbol. Remember the symbols from back in 1999 where they, I, I, I got to see where those are because they had the Undertaker one and the Brahma Bull one. Um, <laughs> that they strapped him to. And I'm like, what a Seth is going to look like? A giant ass or something? Like, what the hell is this going to go around? Um, but before that, before that happens, the street the street profits jump in. And listen, man, I know a lot of people, well, I don't hear a lot of people complaining about it, but I love the role that they play as kind of guys that are on the outskirts doing their own thing. And they feel as though they're literally two homies, like just sitting in the back and they yeah. just come out whenever they please. Like, I <laughs> love the I way feel like they, they are. <laughs> yeah. They generally are. And I would I would love to see more dominant wins from them, like we saw against Moss and Raleigh. Like, because I mean they had they had them lose a bunch of tag title matches in a very short amount of time. And it's like, man, show me why these guys are so good and why they feel like they they can they can do that because you don't have to do a lot to make these guys interesting or likable. They're already. I mean, I know Montez gets a lot of the the credit, but Angelo Dawkins is awesome too. Like he's a great straight man. He's a yeah, great straight man. He's he's awesome, and you don't like I said. There's not a lot of work that needs to be done there. You just have to put them in situations where they'll look even better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they have this tag title match in Saudi Arabia in uh, another week against Rollins and Buddy. I think they're going to tear it up. I think they're really, really going to do a great job. I think Montez, once again, he's somebody that you got to keep your eye on because every every match he gets better. And I think that he's going to be somebody that, you know, I don't want to see them break up, but he's going to be somebody that could be like on that Kofi train of just all around beloved character on the show, period, pretty soon. Uh, we, got a, we got a Becky Lynch promo where she threw out like $100 in ones. And we got Shayna Baszler saying shit on television. How did they get past this? Oh man, say shit on television. I don't know, man. Like, it, 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 it was crazy. First of all, did you? They showed that video from before of her like biting her neck, and did you see like they edited in like a huge crunch in it? Like, and I, was just like <laughs> I was just like, what the hell is this? Did, did like, you ever watch Lucha Underground where they would edit in like a big snap sound every time they kick, no matter how? Yes. Like, no matter how hard or not. So now every time I see Pentagon kick somebody and it doesn't make that sound, I'm like, pussy. I'm like, what? <laughs> that, that hard. But like, oh. yeah, they, they add stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, why did they do that? Oh, my God. The Shana shit thing. Um, <laughs> that was that was surprising. Well, well, before we even get to that, she's in the Elimination Chamber. I, I even forgot to put that in the whole bar. They announced it on the wrap uh, yesterday. Shana Baszler... Uh, Oscar, Sarah Logan, <laughs> Liv Morgan, <laughs> Ruby Riot, and I feel like I'm missing one more person. Am I missing one more person? Who's the sixth? Awesome. Natty. Natalia. Yeah, uh, she, they're going to be in the Elimination Chamber, and whoever wins, they face Becky. I know people get mad when they do these things, where it's obvious who the winner is going to be, but I, I think you take it into the, into the account that the match will probably be really good, and we're going to get to see Oscar and Shayna, you know, mix it up for the first time ever in this match. I think that it's going to be great, even if we already knew who the winner's going to be, right? Yeah, I wish they would have done qualifying matches. I know they don't have a ton of women on the roster, but I put yeah. on Twitter yesterday, like, they brought back the headbangers in 2016. They could they could bring back Caitlyn and say she's trying to get into the Elimination Chamber, 
and stuff yeah, like mom, that. Dude. They got a couple of Australian women that are sitting on sitting on their asses, not doing much right now. Very Lana and so. Lana and Zelina can lose matches. It wouldn't hurt them a little bit. I mean, they could have done Liv Morgan versus Lana three and had Liv Crusher again. Just make me care <laughs> about these matches, or at least at least make me think that you want me to care about the matches. Yeah. 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 But, uh, cause I think even, even the Liv Morgan promo from later and, and I'm a really, you know, I, I kind of look at Liv and it's like, I know she has a bunch of fans, but it's like, I, she has really kind of yet to wow me in any, yeah. you know, considerable sense in ring. And I'm waiting for that moment. And that promo didn't really instill a lot of confidence. And I know it's the writing and I know it's probably the way it was written, but it was like, uh, I don't know about this. Like, I feel like Ruby under her underrated quality is actually being able to dictate the type of bullshit they make her say every week. And she does it really well. And not everyone can do that. And I think if Liv can kind of like get coached by her a little bit, her promos would end up being so much better to me. I think, I don't know in terms of Liv in terms of, for, first of all, in terms of this match, I wish these, this is one again, once again, one of those situations where I feel like I wish they weren't telegraphing it so hard because mm-hmm. Elimination Chamber match, it's a minimum 25-minute match that you kind of know <laughs> what the result is kind of going to be. So I wish they wouldn't telegraph it so hard. I would have rather Shayna Baszler come out uh, as a surprise entrant, then she maybe bites the neck the night after she wins. Right, Something right, along right. those lines. Yeah. Just, but not telegraph it so damn hard because you kind of yeah. know who's going to win. I kind of like the little the Riot Squad kind of thing that they got going on here um, with those three. Um, I know Natty in, in the match. Um, I forgot who else is in this match. Um, Sarah Asuka. fucking Logan's in the match. Like, come yeah. on, Sarah Logan. I mean, if they wouldn't have jobbed her out so hard over the last few months, even if she just disappeared and wasn't on the show, I think yeah. that'd be better than the fact that she's been beaten so much because she's got to get three eliminations yeah. in this match. <laughs> yeah, because now it's like, well, why isn't Kyrie in it? And that's what a lot of people said. And Kyrie beat Natty last night. Yeah. That was hilarious. That was a hilarious match, by the way. I think Kyrie is. I know people don't like her as a heel, but I think she's really good as a heel. She's yeah, she's great. Um, really quick, last two points. Alistair beat Rowan's winning streak, but what is next for Alistair? I asked this last night. People were like the Andre Battle Royal, and I was like, I really don't think they're going to put him in that match because then he'd have to win it, and then that you with that match is that if you win it, you have nothing going on for yourself. So what do you guys think is going for Alistair Black here? He's not going to get Taker, and that's clear. I think the U.S. title is that picture might be kind of set at this point. I don't. He's not going to go after the world title. What the hell are they doing with Alistair Black? Yeah. I, I wouldn't hate the Battle Royal because he keeps asking for people to fight him, and he can't find yeah. anybody. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at this, yeah, that's what kind of what I was thinking as well. I mean, that is like well thought out as that but <laughs> i was really thought out of just like okay maybe the battle royal is kind of where he like wins etches his name in history they got a little uh achievement that they could put by his name every time he comes out you know andre the giant uh, andre the giant <laughs> memorial battle royal winner um that they do with everybody else um except cesaro because you're not supposed to remember cesaro won it mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, at, at least that to kind of hold him over for the eventual next step. I, I would like to see them act like this means something again. Like, tell me, tell me a reason to care. And for Alistair Black, all he's got to do is say, "I could." They asked me who I wanted to fight at WrestleMania, and I said yeah. I wanted to fight everybody. So I'm in this match. You should make it seem like he wants to be in this match. Like it's 
it's a reward for him to be able to be in this match. I, I would love and have that. Him come out for, and have him come out first. Yeah. So that everyone has to face him. That actually is a great idea because I think, you know, I don't think he's going for the title, you know, off, off the rip. But I think that after Drew or if Brock retains, I think that's the first guy in line uh, after Mania. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last point here. Angel Garza. He's got a rocket strapped on him, huh? Yeah, he's I love Angel Garza. My God. The only thing that I wish could have been better for him. I wish when he ripped off his pants the first time on Raw that, <laughs> oh, no. that he didn't have the little snag. Because I could just imagine Vince McMahon having a conniption fit of joy. <laughs> Oh my God, Pat! Those pants went flying. Oh, he would love that. I had, and I can't say who it is, uh, but I had a, a a top name in wrestling message me during his debut match, and they're like, even if he was told not to tear off the pants, if he doesn't, he's a moron yeah. because it's so important, and because that person knows. That that like Vince McMahon would love that, and there's a solid chance that Vince McMahon has never seen him do that before. Right, right, right. So yeah. I, I good for him. Honestly, with all the time they've devoted to Humberto Carrillo, I don't care. I don't about buy that him guy. at yeah. all. I think if he wasn't in the U.S. title pet match, and it was, and I was just going to ask that: should it be Andrade versus Angel? For the for the title or with I Ray think Umberto's going to be in it nonetheless. I think yeah. he's the, I, I, I think you do the fatal four way him Mysterio because this seems like just everybody who's in the picture and I think everyone has sort of general. I don't know if they have a general gripe with one another, but they've all been intermingled for the last like three months or so. I say put them fatal four way. Put them all. Oh the well, it's it's WWE and they're the same ethnicity, so they're in the yeah. same program. <laughs> And, and the but sad it, thing is, and I, I hate to say it, but we all know that if Angel Garza was 6'2", he was getting that call up before Humberto Carrillo was. They yeah. called up Carrillo because of his height and his dimples. That's why. His well, work is – he's very athletic and he can be very good. I but like I, I was watching him do arm drags to people who were sitting on their ass, and I'm like, that's not how arm drags work. I've, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've never seen a person do that. I think the best case scenario for them would be to team Garza and Carrillo somehow and hope, hope that by osmosis, Carrillo he catches what, Yeah, <laughs> hope that they catch whatever Garza has. He's, he's, he's blank. Every promo, yeah. he's blank. Like, even he has Garza, no soul, bro. He, like, Garza, who can't even speak the, you know, English that well, he gets over just the fact that he's really handsome. The, the body language with Garza is what wins with me a lot, a lot yeah. of the time when he does promos, even in the ring, it's like, I was looking at him during his debut. And even on Monday, like, why wasn't he called first? Like I never got it. Why, you know, Humberto was called him first. And like, I get why they took him from NXT that quick because he's resonating and people are loving him. And I yeah. think that he's going to be like, you know, a lot of people are, are giving him the next, the next title, the next, you know, Ray, the next Eddie. I think for him being the first Angel Garza, He's going to go places that, you know, we've probably never seen. But will this overshadow Andrade, who is a hell of a worker and on his own? Because I think this 30 days of him sitting down is allowing Angel to kind of take his spot. Yeah. And the Andrade saving grace is that title that he has. And it's weird to yeah. me they didn't just switch the title off of him before. Yep. Yep. But, um, that. but man, a Angel Garza is so good and... I don't feel like my time is being wasted watching him now. I don't feel like they're forcing something with that. I feel like they recognize they screwed up and they're trying to rectify it. And I respect that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that was raw in my notes. Anything you guys want to speak on before we before we wrap this thing up? Drew crushing MVP was good. I like that. Yeah, that, I I like the Paul Heyman angle there too. Where again, like if, if Paul, I, I feel like if Paul's there, I'm out. You know, I like he's there every week. I feel, I feel like he should be doing that when Brock isn't there. I think he added a little bit to Drew's kind of like they are starting to get a little bit sane his his babyface promos. I think I think he should go back to saying less, honestly, and just letting the work speak for itself. But I did like the wrinkle with Heyman and MVP is such a great talker. And that's one thing I He's forgot amazing. about. Um, my final thoughts, <laughs> Kevin Owen needs to pin somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stat. Yeah. <laughs> stat. They, like, they get stat. away with a lot of it. They get away with a lot of it because of that stunner. And it, it seems like a victory for him when he hits the stunner because every wrestling right. fan is conditioned to thinking that's the last laugh, but he's got to yeah. win. He's got to win. Do, do, they stretch, do they stretch the Seth program all the way out to Mania? Because that's the that's the big the big card that they're holding is that they're going to announce the singles match. But I think they they got a way to do it to Mania at this point. I mean, it's kind of amazing that you know modern day WWE has a a feud that has not had a singles match yet, and it's all been almost four months since they started feuding. And that's what I want. I want it to feel special the first time they connect with each other. When I watch Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo, like you thought they might fight before the fight, but they didn't fight before the fight. Right. And then when right. they got in there, I was like, man, this is huge. This is awesome. And I think that's something that's missing in WWE is that we see the match happen. Like I, I don't, I don't want to see AOP and Viking Raiders now. I've seen it. I've seen them mm-hmm. face each other a bunch, and I thought that was a surefire mania match. But uh, Rollins and Owens, I gotta see it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Sean. Once again, this has been a spectacular show. We 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 have, it's been a long time coming, but I, I think that a lot of people listening today will say, you know what, you fit right in the A show. You are the meals of the show now. We can <laughs> we can replace the year old meals. We have thirty four. Welcome to shots. your thirties. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, plug uh, everything that you got, my man. What do you want to plug, John? Yeah, Fightful.com. That's where all my stuff is. We cover MMA, boxing, pro wrestling. If you just like wrestling, check out FightfulWrestling.com. If you want to support what we're doing directly, we have FightfulSelect.com. That's our premium service where uh, we post exclusive news. We have dozens of extra podcasts. Right now, it's a Patreon platform, but we wor- we are working on integrating that into the actual fightful.com. So yeah, that's, that's the main thing. Just check that out and you can find all of our stuff over at fightful.com. All right. And as always, you can follow us at OG Johnny five and at meals TV on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us at RNC radio live where we have the latest and greatest of everything we do. We do so much from movie to anime to wrestling to just anything, you name it. We have it all on that channel and one handy dandy little twitter account so until next week uh we'll have another mania moment and we'll have are, are we gonna are we gonna predict uh the saudi arabia show meals are we gonna watch that or are we just gonna what are we gonna do we'll call it in the ring uh. <laughs> all right so uh, until next time until next week you guys are listening and we'll see you next week on the a show happy rusev day